Hello everyone, welcome to Quantum Catechesis, I'm Father Joe Krupp and you are not in today, today, today's Wednesday, January, oh listen, I have an echo, I have an echo, I have an echo, did you hear that, did you hear that, is it January 3rd, does anyone know? January 3rd, the year of our Lord, 2024, lots of, lots of new data to assimilate. I'm so happy to be here. I missed you people last week. Uh, and when I say you people, I mean that in a horrible way. Uh, and uh, I'm excited to start our new year. I uh, want to, of course, give a shout out to Celtic Cove Catholic Bookstore in Oxford, Michigan. Now, true story about them. The day after Christmas... Dad and I get in the car, and we had two jobs. I got Celtic Cove Catholic Bookstore gift certificates, and we were going to go buy some uh, art, right? Uh, or a billy. We didn't care. But um, uh, So Carrie and John weren't there to direct us. And the short version is, it's about a 40-minute drive, would you say, sis? Yeah. Oh, for Dad and I, it was an hour and 15. Should have been 30. And it was closed. Now, here's, in my defense, you, I would have had to look on their website or their Facebook page or Google Maps or Apple Maps to find out they were closed. They should have, like, sent me some kind of telekinesis. No, what is the word? The thing where they send thoughts at me. Anyway, so here's the funny part. So then I call John, Carrie's husband, and I'm like, look, Pa and I want to go to this place. He goes, oh, easy peasy. Do blah, blah, blah. So uh, he said it's, it's only 40 minutes away. Two hours later, and again, we have GPS. I'm just not bright. So shout out to Celtic Cove Catholic Bookstore in Oxford, Michigan for being closed the day after Christmas. Of course you were. Everything was closed. Like Jesus was like, please don't pray today. I want to take today off. And to Catholic, what is it? Church Supply. Michigan. Michigan Church Supply in Mount Morris, Michigan. Uh, please, guys, buy local, man. Support local businesses. And uh, greetings to our foreign correspondents. Patricia in Scotland. Uh, Brenvan in Canada, uh, Sabine in Germany, Richard in England, and Margaret in New Zealand. Now, if you're a listener from any country not listed here, or the U.S., if you're not from the U.S., or from any country listed here, uh, let us know. You can, If you're the first in, you're our foreign correspondent from that country. Uh, and uh, we do not pay. There are no benefits. And uh, so it's really the perfect job. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to get right into it today. This might be a two-show topic, and I do want to give, I don't know what's appropriate here, right? In terms of, like, I don't think kids listen to this. I can't imagine. Uh, and so, parents, if you've got anybody under, I don't know. I, again, Jesus didn't want me to have children for a reason. Uh, so I don't know what's going to be appropriate here and what's not. Uh, of course, I'm not going to be inappropriate in any sense, I hope. Uh, but uh, maybe I should just stop yammering and get into it. Okay. So first, allow me to take a drink of my delicious... Well, who, we need a sponsor. Right? We need a sponsor. We were going after Heinz Ketchup, for those who are new to the show, uh, because I hate ketchup. But I was like, you give my church money, I'll bathe in ketchup. 
uh, but Heinz sent us a really nice letter. They did. Remember that? And they were like, not only are we not interested, you disgust us. Um, so I do respect their judgment now. Um, no, they did. Remember, they wrote us back and they were like, hey, way to go. But we give to a billion charities and you ain't one fat boy. Yeah. All right. So one of those things. Okay. Here's a trouble you will have on social media if you have a philosophy or a theology that's deep. Okay. Namely, questioning something takes four words. Answering it often takes four pages. Yeah? Have you noticed this? Right? Destruction, in a sense, it's an easy way to think of it. Destruction's easy. Anyone can destroy. Not everyone can build. Now, this isn't to say all questions are destructive. Oh my gosh, questions are awesome. But I can uh, pick any religion or philosophical construct and make myself look smart by simply asking a dumb question worded well. Or I can just throw out a catch statement that they can easily answer, but it's going to take four pages. Um, this is one of those topics where people say these things, and I confess it's so funny. I do get irritated. You know, well, Jesus never talked about sex. And it's like, okay, it's going to take me four pages to answer. Uh, it took you three seconds to type your dumb thing. Uh, and I say that with respect. It's going to take me a bit to answer, right? Why? Because creation is tough. And our theology slash philosophy here is deep. It's not. If you can explain your worldview in four sentences, I don't probably have a lot of respect for your worldview. Are you with me? So social media is always going to favor the attack or even the positive question because the ability to answer it is going to take longer than social media is created for. There, I think I've said it. Is it? Yeah, yeah. I get, battle of sound bites always wins. Remember um, when uh, there was a presidential debate, I think, think, think. It was Mitt Romney and President Obama. Do you remember this? And President Obama blew it up. It was it was hilarious because Mitt Romney was talking and he said something about Russia. And Obama's answer was, hey, the 80s called. They want their foreign policy back. Do you remember this? And I got to admit, I laughed. Now, I didn't vote for either of those jerks. Uh, so it wasn't a partisan thing. I was just like, yeah. But of course, you know, a few months later, uh, Russians were interfering with the elections. Yeah. Oops. Uh, we find out Romney was actually right to say we need to worry about Russian aggression. He predicted Russia invading one of her neighbors because Russia needs a warm water port. We, we can get into this whole thing. Uh, everybody kind of made fun of him and was like, way to go, President Obama. And Romney was right. Russia is a real threat to world peace. And if you're like, I don't think they are, just call your buddy in the Ukraine. Yeah. By the way, I don't know about you guys, but I thought this year every American should have got uh, one of those things from the government that says this year a $40 billion donation has been made in your name to the people of Ukraine. Wouldn't that have been awesome? It's actually way above 40. But okay. So all politics and joking aside, 
we're going to look at the statement. Jesus never talked about sex. Um, and our first answer, this is a multi-level answer, is, yeah, he did. Really, really, really strongly. Um, let's look at some examples, okay? Uh, Mark 7, 22. Adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All of these are evils that come from inside a person and defile them. Okay, there's one. Matthew 5, 28. This is Jesus. Quote, I tell you, anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Oh, thanks, Jesus. We're really grateful uh, for your low, low standard. Mark 10, 6 through 9. But at the beginning of creation, Jesus said, God made them male and female. Well, Jesus, that'll get you kicked off of social media. Sorry, big guy. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. The two will become one flesh. They're no longer two. They're one flesh. And what God has joined together, let no human tear asunder. Matthew 19, 9. Anyone who divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery. Holy crap, Jesus. Uh, Matthew 5, 27. Mark 10, 19. Luke 16, 18. Jesus comes out swinging and saying really strong statements that remind us of the importance of sexual purity. Okay. Uh, you can summarize what he said as following, you know, respect the sanctity of marriage. Divorce is not permissible. Do not lust after others. Avoid adultery. Those are four statements about sex. Not exclusively about sex, but about sex. Jesus talked about sex. Okay. Um, and when we say, well, wait, what about divorce? We can get into that in a minute. The kind of divorce Jesus was talking about then is a different kind of divorce than now, and marriage was different then than now. And we can get into that if you want. Okay. Not only that, guys, but you have to remember cultural context is super important here. Okay. And here's an example. Did Jesus ever talk about sex before marriage? No, not that I can find Jesus in the Gospels did not reference sex before marriage, okay? Why? You got married at 13. Yeah, you, you did. There wasn't sex before marriage in a sense. And any sex before marriage that was happening, nobody was going, yeah, that's a good thing, right? Nobody was calling that virtue. Marriage was set as a legal institution that in particular, women could only enter into at their first occurrence of menses, okay? So until she was ready to have a kid, she didn't get married. The second she could have a child, she was married. These marriages were arranged when they were little children. You were a man in this culture at 13. I was eating glue at 13, right? I wanted to have an invisible car at 13. These cats are getting married and having families. Is that crazy? Anyway. So we're like, well, Jesus didn't talk about sex outside of marriage. He did. He said adultery is one of the worst things you can do. But he didn't talk about, like, teenagers having sex because the teenagers having sex were married. They were married. That's how it worked. If you were a 15-year-old person and not married, that was considered a tragedy. That was considered, like, what's wrong with these people? 
you got married early. Why? The goal, and forgive my candor, is to have as many kids as possible. Marriage and love were not connected, necessarily. If they were connected, that was considered a lovely thing, but not important. The important thing was make little versions of you. Okay? Someone, well, Jesus didn't talk about homosexuality. Of course, because quite literally no one was saying, that's natural, that's good, that's right. And just, come on. Jesus didn't talk about abortion. He kind of did. And I can walk us through that if you want. But again, no one was calling abortion good. And nobody was aborting in first century Judea. In Rome, the uber-rich, yeah, they were aborting to cover up adultery. But remember, guys... This is a culture where you have as many kids as possible because most of them won't make it to adulthood. It's just, you know, well, why didn't Jesus talk about abortion? Because no one was doing it outside of a few elites in Rome. Why? You want kids. You want a ton of kids. Why? Because somebody's got to take care of you when you were older. And if you have five kids, two might make it to adulthood. You have kids. Okay. This was, anyway, so uh, so that's some of our things. When we say, well, Jesus didn't talk about sex, A, you're wrong. Uh, B, there's certain specific sexual issues he didn't talk about because he didn't need to. Now, here's where I'm going to say a hard thing. I, I don't know. I never know. They say trigger warnings, I guess. Jesus never said rape was wrong. It's wrong. He probably assumed he didn't have to tell ya. Okay. Beyond that, guys, there's tons of things Jesus didn't talk about. Tons and tons and tons. Uh, when you look at the gospel writers, you're talking about dudes who lived with Jesus nonstop for four years. What they wrote covers about three weeks of Jesus' life. John puts it this way at the end of his gospel, St. John, Gospel of John. There are many other things that Jesus said and did. These are not written in this book. Okay, so if he didn't write everything Jesus said and did, why did he, how did he pick the ones he wrote? Well, he tells you in the next sentence. But these are written so that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that through that belief you may have life in his name. John's goal in writing to you, he tells you, it's not to tell you the moral code, it's to get you close to Jesus. This is Jesus. He's the Son of God. And I've given you what you need to know him. And what he's counting on is that you uh, use the Holy Spirit and your intellect and draw the rest of the conclusions. There's plenty of things Jesus didn't say, don't do that, but we know not to do. Jesus never said, don't steal. <laughs> not once. Don't steal, right? Uh, Jesus, uh, John's goal, and he says, I suppose if I wrote down everything he did, the whole world couldn't hold all the books. He writes that. He wrote what he wrote so you would know Jesus as the Christ and that through that belief you might have life in his name. And then he's counting on you to work with the Holy Spirit and finish the job. How are we doing? Yes. Okay. Now, 
here's a good example, I think. I'm gonna tell you about, yeah, that dog is eating a baseball cover. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Evie is oh, now yeah. taking the cover off of a baseball and she is eating the leather. I think she swallowed it. That won't be a problem at all. Uh, Evie, girl, yep, she did. Okay. <laughs> if there's a vet listening or watching, <laughs> she just, and now she's running away. Yeah, hey, oh, there, no, that's the ball. Okay, anyway, sorry, we'll stay focused. I think it's too late, Kara, I'm sorry. I wondered what she was chewing on. Okay, my dog is, uh, I, I don't discipline her, and that might be an issue. Um, I want to give you this example. Okay, I'm going to talk about my dad for a bit. Um, so I'm going to give you a few things that, to me, I know, isn't that funny, are, are, are classic dad stories, Okay. Uh, this stories are legend in our family, okay? One is uh, we were working on the house. We were getting ready to go to church, and Dad's ushering 800 million children into a station wagon, okay? Which, by the way, is why he won't go to purgatory. He did it. Yeah, he did purg in real time. Uh, so we all are packing in the car. Dad comes out. We go to Mass. Uh, we come home from mass, drive home, dad gets a plier and pulls a nail out of his foot. When he was walking out of the house to go to mass, a nail went through his shoe, through his foot and out the top. Dad didn't want to be late for mass. So he went to mass and drove a car with a huge nail sticking out of his foot. And he never said a word. I get hangnail in the world knows. Right? This cat is out there rolling around with a nail, like reverse crucifixion here, but one foot. Uh, that's a great dad story. Right? On the way home from mass, uh, we would listen to polkas. And you might think, oh, your dad liked polkas? Dad hated polkas. But he liked, he liked that it made us laugh. So, and he called it the foolish hour. Do you remember this, Dad? It was called the polka hour. Dad called it the foolish hour. And he went on those little AM sparkomatic radios that used to come in all GM products. You remember those? He'd crank out, you know, nah, 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 uh, 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 you know, and we've, we laughed and giggled the whole way home, unless we were going to be in trouble for screwing around at church. Kelly. Um, I remember one time we had three days with no school because the snow was so deep. And every day, um, dad went to work and he would walk to his carpool a mile down the road in the freezing cold, right? Uh, I just could go on and on with all these stories of my dad. Um, and even now, right? Like my favorite now story with dad was there was a day we did, uh, 18 straight hours of confessions. You remember that sis? Um, we were done. And I love hearing confessions, but doing anything for 18 hours is savage. And I was so happy to be out of the box. And I came in the house, dad's home, and I kind of kicked open the door and I started yelling, Papa son, Papa son. And I'm screaming this at the top of my lungs just to make him giggle. And when I get to dad, he's on the phone talking to someone and saying, this is my life now. This is what it's come to. And I just think that's hilarious, right? She did swallow the cover, didn't she? I can't find it anymore. Yeah, I think she ate it. That's so cool. Uh, 
So again, if you're a veterinary in the Genesee County region, we're going to need you. Because that ain't coming out the other end. That's way too big, isn't it? Okay. So I could tell you story after story about my dad. I can tell you how when mom um, got Alzheimer's, he didn't leave the house. He just parked right next to her and didn't go. How he didn't know what to do either. None of us knew what to do. But he stayed with his girl. Um, I can tell you that in their 50-some years of marriage together, they took in 38 people who needed help uh, to live with them until they could get on their feet or whatever it might be. And we weren't rich. Uh, yeah, I could go on and on. And when I tell you all of that, you can hear it and then say, wait, but he never told you not to commit adultery? Right? Well, no. Why would he need to tell me that? I look at that man. I want to be like him. And one of the things that seems pretty clear is adultery is bad. Did you get me? That's the example that comes to my mind. Think of you trying to, in 50 pages, describe the person you love most in the world. And imagine someone reading it and saying, wait, you loved this person and they never said, don't kill people? What kind of? Well, no, they don't need to say that. So... <clears throat> We can look at another passage uh, with Jesus. How are we doing, by the way? Good. Yeah? Okay. Yeah. Are, are people content and, and following me? Lots of, oh, good. Lots of good stuff. Here's another thing. There's a point where Jesus is talking and he says, um, hey, you know, if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. Now, that's where this passage, by the way, for all my fundamentalist friends, nobody's a fundamentalist on this, right? Nobody is a fundamentalist on this, which I think is hilarious. Okay. If your eye caused you to sin, pluck it out. It's better uh, that you enter heaven with one eye than be in Gehenna with two good eyes. And Gehenna is the Latin translation of the Hebrew of Jehanna which was this valley where when the Jews first got to the promised land, I'm going to cough, hold on. <clears throat> they found the Canaanites there did child sacrifices to their God. Okay. Um, this is testified to in a ton of extra biblical sources. I'm pretty confident, even the Roman guy Plutarch talked about this, that it was a moderately common practice in that time to have a festival, a harvest, uh, when you're seeding the ground, where you offer the God your baby. <coughs> Sorry, guys. <clears throat> I've been fighting off this crazy sinus stuff. Um, and I could go into this because it's awful. But when the Jews got there, and they didn't do child sacrifice, and they found it repugnant, they killed everybody. And they refused to live in that valley where the child sacrifices happened. They just didn't want even anything to do with that geography. So they threw their garbage there. And they burned their garbage there. <coughs> Darn it. I'm sorry. We're going to get that cough button. Yeah. Um, I thought that was a funny thing to say. 
Jesus is talking about, like, at least as a male, if you say if your eye causes you to sin, I don't know, maybe it's just because we men are pigs. He's talking about lust, right? I can't imagine, like, my eye causing me to sin because I really like that brick. Yeah? I mean, I, I don't know. At least as a male, if he's not talking about lust there, I'm not entirely sure what he's talking about. And I'm open. I want to be clear. If someone says, well, you aren't thinking of blah, blah. Huh, great. I don't think all the time. There's a thing in Jesus, in his ministry, that is focused on a purity of our approach to sex. That, and we're going to get into this, like probably the next episode. If you're open, well, even if you're not open, I'm probably going to do it. Uh, we're going to look at the Christian version of sex, the Christian idea behind sex, because this is really important. Like for me, uh, growing up, I became aware of the, what do we call it? We called it the urge to merge. Yeah. The desire to procreate. Yeah. And I was so embarrassed and ashamed by it. I felt awful that I felt that way. And I felt powerless as well. And if our response to that feeling in young people is that they feel horrible shame, I think we've done them a great disservice. That there's a way we can approach our understanding of sexuality where we see it as an insanely beautiful gift. God invented sex, right? Way to go, God. That beat, you know, Henry Ford making a car. Sorry, that was, yeah. Well, although I do want to know who invented bacon. Oh, God. But who figured out God's invention of bacon? That person is a great American. Um, even if they weren't in America. Sorry, getting sidetracked. We're going to look at that because sex is God's gift to us. And the desire for sex is a holy thing. It's what we do with it. Right? You can split an atom and power a huge region. You can split an atom and blow up a huge region. Um, so we're going to look at that at some point soon, hopefully even our next episode. What do you think of that, sis? Yeah? Did you find the cover? No. no. Okay. Sorry. I, th I see the... Okay. I'm a little obsessed. This dog took the cover off a of baseball and ate it. And should I tell about the chicken bone? So the day that Michigan played somebody, uh, Bama, dad and Carrie's husband and I had a little viewing party. I made pierogies, meaning I unfroze them and warmed them up. Uh, Carrie made some kind of pasta thing, which then we didn't have to share because she didn't come. That was so awesome. Uh, oh, was there vodka in that spaghetti sauce? Pasta sauce? A little wine. Wine. Okay. I knew there was some kind of alcohol in there. Yeah. Well, have you? Ha oh, stop. So uh, anyway, we had all this food. And then her husband smoked chicken wings. Oh, my. So dad is getting after the chicken wings. And Evie is looking at him. And the second he looked away, she lunged like a ninja cat, snagged one chicken wing, and swallowed it, ran away and swallowed it. 
And, and I know I'm going to get a, oh, chicken bones are bad. Yeah, I know. She doesn't. The dog doesn't. All right, focus. So all of these things. Uh, now she's over here. She, no, no, Evie girl. Evie girl. Um, all of these things are the part of the reason it's not really that good or smart to say Jesus never talked about sex. Yes, he did. And he talked about the sexual issues of that day, a, a big one being adultery. Because here's the key, really. By the time you get to the culture Jesus was living in, trans, what do you say? Loosely religious Jews had found a way to get away with divorce. They had found a way. And Jesus even says, because of the hardness of your hearts, God allowed for divorce. Um, what does that mean? The same thing we approach it now. Divorce is not the goal. There are situations where divorce is inevitable and necessary. For two people to become one, both need to be in a continual state of repentance. Yeah? Repentance and restart. Repentance and restart. If you get one who won't do that, at some point it's going to cease to become a marriage. Yeah? I mean, that's just, that's just science. See how he did that. But beyond that, guys... Here's a big reason. It's super, no, no, Evie girl, sorry. It's uh, super inappropriate, and I mean this, to say Jesus never talked about sex because we believe in the Trinity. And I mean that. Stick with me here. We believe that there are thir three persons in the Trinity. That's why we call it a Trinity. Uh, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Three persons who are so perfect in love for each other that they are one. We worship one God. This is Christianity 101. For us to say that something Jesus said through the Holy Spirit somehow has less authority because Jesus himself didn't say it is a rejection of the Trinity. It's an abject rejection, not only of the Trinity, but of the word of God. What well, That's what we call the Bible. The evening girl. Oh, man, girly. Sorry, guys. She's got the devil in her today. Ow. Um, the word, we call the Bible the word of God. Is Jesus God? Yes. Then if it's in there, he said it. Even if he said it through St. Paul or St. John. D does this make sense? Can you follow me here? And this is one where we need to be very careful. Because for us to deny something, because it didn't come specifically from Jesus' mouth, but came from the Holy Spirit, that's a really, really, really bad thing to do. Like, if you look at, there's 8 billion denominations of Christian. All of us agree on the Trinity. Think about that. You know, some say infant baptism, some say adult baptism, some say one baptism, some say 50 baptisms, some say, you know... But what do we all go, what do we all agree makes you a Christian? If you could look at the World Council of Churches, you have to believe in the Trinity. When St. Paul says something inspired by the Holy Spirit, and we call it, quote, the word of God, if we say, yeah, but Jesus didn't say that, St. Paul did, we deny the Trinity. <laughs> Think about that. Think about that. Now, Paul wasn't in Judea talking to Jews. He was out in the Roman Greek world 
talking to pagans. So he had to say some things that Jesus didn't have to say to first century religious Jews. Yeah? Jesus didn't have to deal with some of the things that St. Paul did, which is kind of funny to say. I wonder if Paul brought that up. Yeah, Jesus, sure, you died for everybody, but you didn't have to deal with the things I did. Jesus is like, have you met my disciples? Do you remember those guys? 1 Corinthians 6, 13. You say food for the stomach and the stomach for food, and God will destroy them both. End quote. Paul's quoting a proverb of the day. Quote, listen to this. This is God. <laughs> the body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality. The body is meant for the Lord and the Lord for the body. By his power. God raised the Lord from the dead and will raise us also. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. Do you know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her body? Because it's written the two become one flesh. But whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. So flee from sexual immorality, quote, I'm still quoting, all other sins a person commits are outside of their body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. And do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you've received from God? You're not your own. You were bought at a price. Honor God with your bodies. That's God talking. Well, Jesus didn't say it. What are you doing? What are you doing? Right? That If you think it through, that argument never holds water. But we don't think it through because we love our sexual sins. And we want to call them not sins. Okay? That's what we want to call them. And I do this too, guys. I always find ways. You give me a long enough timeline, I can justify any sin with human intellect. I, this is part of our fallen nature. We love our sins. Okay. How about this passage from 1 Thessalonians 4? It is God's will that you be sanctified and that you avoid sexual immorality. Each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that's holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the pagans who don't even know God. That's 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 through 5. How about this one? 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Do you not know that wrongdoers do not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexual immoral nor idolaters or adulterers or men who have sex with men will inherit the kingdom of heaven. 1 Corinthians 6, 9. How about 1 Corinthians 6, 18? Flee from sexual immorality. That's twice we were told that. Oh, we already went through that. Okay. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins will purify us from all our unrighteousness. How about Hebrews 13, 4? Marriage should be honored by all. The marriage bed should be kept pure. For God will judge the adulterer and the sexually immoral. How about Ephesians 5.3? I can do this all day. Right? Among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed. Because these are improper for God's holy people. 
I'm afraid that when I come again, my God will humble me before you and I will be grieved over many who have sinned earlier and have not repented of the sexual sins and debauchery debauchery in which they have been indulged. In which they have indulged. Excuse me. How are we doing? God said these things. And if we say, well, Jesus didn't say it, then we have denied the Trinity. We have denied the word of God. Why? Because we'd want to. This is the power of that fire God placed in us. But when we feed that fire improperly, it consumes us instead of enlightens us. And I I think the key is going to be, and I can't do it in the last 20 minutes, right? I, I think I need a whole banana for this. And we'll tackle it. How about, do we have something next Wednesday? Okay. Okay. How about this? And we're not done. I bet you people have questions. Do they? Okay. So we can tackle those in a second here. Um, Do you mind looking to see? Okay. Well, Carrie's looking to see if we have questions. I I, want to be clear about a couple things. One, as you heard, it takes four seconds to say or type, Jesus never talked about sex. It took me 40 minutes to thoroughly debunk that. Okay. That's always going to be the trouble, okay? Now, that doesn't mean the question shouldn't come up. It gave me a chance to share with you, okay? But I just want you to keep that in mind because I've caught myself doing this. I've caught myself doing this, throwing out the pithy, funny remark or the the little contradictory remark in a clever way, not respecting the depth of someone else's belief. Does that make sense? You know, I've caught myself doing it, and I repent, and I'm going to keep working at it. Okay. So I hope you see a couple things here. One is sex is serious business. Yeah, it is the way two humans can best imitate God, right? A man and a woman can, make the, can become one physically, right? The parts line up. Forgive my candor, Okay. And in that action, they can create an eternal soul. Sex is sacred for us. There is a a beauty and a power to it that humans can't do at any other time. It's not dirty. We're going to look at this next time. We're going to really, I think, take this apart. But the second thing is this. We have to remember mercy. Since this is such a strong fire, we probably are going to fall. And it is so important that we accept God's mercy. That when we look at Jesus' response to people who committed sexual sins, it was tenderness. It was mercy. They repented. He forgave. Go. Don't sin this way anymore. What a beautiful thing. Your sexual sins are not something you are powerless over. Sin is not inevitable. Grace and mercy are inevitable. And there will be a day when you struggle no more with whatever sexual sin is afflicting you now. There will be a day. And that might be today. And it might not be till the kingdom of heaven. But until then, you stay faithful to the process of 
Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son or your daughter. And to hear him wrap us up and say, you are my son and daughter. Let me restore you and get you back in the fight. Your bodies are sacred. The sexual act is sacred. We don't want to desecrate them. Um... Yeah. Okay. Uh, do we have some questions, sis? Or should? Okay. Let me. See. I gotta scroll way, way up. Uh, sorry, guys. Hold on. I've messed up my cursor. My cursor. I gotta say cursor with a Boston accent. Okay. I got you. Okay. Um, whoops. Sorry, guys. Is this one the yellow or whatever color that is? Yep. Okay. For the things. This is a question. For the things Jesus did not talk about. Weren't they all covered in the Ten Commandments? Yeah, to some extent. Um, But obviously there's things he didn't cover, right? Remember, the goal, John said, these things are written, right? Remember he says, there's all kinds of stuff we didn't write. So why did we write these? It's the end of the Gospel of John. These are written so that you might know Christ as the Son of God and that through that belief you may have life through his name. Their goal was not to give you a moral code, Their goal was for you and I to, with the guidance of the Holy Spirit, extrapolate the moral code. Yeah? Uh, I think that's a good way of putting it. John just wants you to know Jesus. (laughs) Right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, they just want you to know Jesus. And I I think I just talked about this, didn't I, two weeks ago. They just want to get you near him. You'll fall in love, and then you'll want to please him. And when you look at his life, you can draw some pretty cool data. So, uh, yeah, there are a lot of things Jesus didn't cover that were covered in the Ten Commandments. But don't forget, by this point, Judaism had been screwing with the Ten Commandments for some time, right? This is the thing Paul talks about a lot in Romans, this phenomenon. And for those of you who are regular listeners, you're probably sick of me talking about this. Uh, I don't care. I'm just kidding. Uh, uh, focus. God says... Uh, honor your father and mother. Okay? It's the first commandment with a promise. Quote, honor your father and mother that you may live long in the land I've given you. Boom. Are done? Well, then, of course, nobody will just take that and take it in. They'll start asking exception questions and detail questions. That's This is what we do every time. Okay? Here's an exception question. Well, what if my dad's a terrible person? Okay, that's an exception question. There's the detail question. Well, what if like my mom and dad want me to do this, but I need to do that? And if I don't do that, then blah, 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 blah. Right? We, we, uh, we, it's part of our human nature, and some of it's good. Right? I want to know how to obey God. But some of it is trying to control and check our brain at the door. Okay? So, 1,500 years of people asking exception questions and asking detail questions, and Jesus specifically comments on this, says, by the time you get to Jesus, literally, it was allowed because of the commandment that says, honor your father and mother. They then went 1,500 years later to, you know, you can say to your parents, everything you've ever spent to raise me is korban, which means dedicated to the Lord. And now you can abandon them. You're like, wait, how did we get there? Exception questions and detailed questions. That's how we got there. 
Yeah. Um, it, it, it's, it's crazy, isn't it? Right? You can see how when God gives us a don't do that or a do that, our first questions are always, well, what about this? What about that? What if I do this? Like Twitter is the perfect example of this. I, if I put up a tweet that says, God loves you all, you got to tell people to repent. If I put up a tweet that says, we should all repent, you got to tell people God loves them. You know what, uh, Thomas Aquinas? I know that. I can't convey the totality of the gospel in a tweet. And if I could, I need a new gospel. Yeah? We always do that. We have to insert ourselves into every equation. Um, when I was at MSU, where Jesus went to school, I remember I, there was, and this is such a university thing. This is. This is so university. Uh, I would get letters if I ever talked about a happy memory with my family. And it would be like, some of us didn't come from good families. And it's really painful when you talk about it. How do you gently confront that level of narcissism? Seriously, how do you say, okay, just heads up, it's not about you. And was that all you heard? Something that you could latch on to and go, oh, I have a wound, I have a wound, look. Or is there something beautiful in there? No, maybe not. Maybe I failed. I fail all the time. It's a skill. But it is our self-obsession and our need to justify ourselves that sometimes puts us in a position where we think the best response to a rule is to go, well, what about this? What about that? And again, sometimes no. It's a pure question so that we can honor God better. But if, for example, you know, I hope this isn't awkward, right? Uh, but when Jesus said, if a man divorces his wife and marries another, he committed adultery. And people, well, what if he did commit adultery and then I divorced him? Uh, yeah, that's different. Marriage is different now than it was then. You don't go into a marriage, theoretically. We do now, and I think this is a big part of the problem. Well, if it all goes to hell, I got an out. Right? I got an out route. Remember those in football, Chuck? The out route, right? It's that one guy who the quarterback knows if none of the routes work, dump to the out route, right? Um, the goal is to enter marriage in the best way possible, going, I'm never getting out, right? Forgive how that sounds, right? But you didn't enter into your marriage with Cass or with John and think, ah, oh, if this doesn't work, screw it. Right? But also, you do recognize that both of us need to be doing this. In a rational society, I think a person should be able to stand up at a church and say, divorce is bad. Without hearing, well, my husband beat me. Right? Oh my gosh, then I'm glad you left him and got a divorce. But the goal wasn't divorce. This is, and I don't want to be insensitive. Of course you should leave someone who's torturing you. Of course you should leave someone who isn't living a marriage covenant. But that doesn't need to be said necessarily in a rational society. I think every time we say divorce is bad. Because I've been with tons of people who went through a divorce that needed to happen who still recognize, but it's bad. It's not what we wanted. How are we doing? Good. Okay. Wow. I just kind of. 
Okay. Oh boy. No kidding. Poor Sabine. Sabine, we love you, sis. I'm. So, I wish I could meet you. I do. Don't you? And did I tell you? I think I figured out. Aren't Aren't you from Essen? That's where my dad's family's from. I think. Oh, I don't know if I should say that. No, sorry. But Sabine, seriously, uh, bless you, sis. I'm so glad we know you. Uh, she's been popping on the show for a while now. And for some reason, I feel such a connection just because of the fatherland, right? Like, my dad got to pilgrimage back to Germany, right? You and mom did. Yeah. What was it, like 2014? No. Oh. No, no, it was longer than that. It was before mom got sick. Yeah. yeah. And this is going to shock you, Sabine. Dad went there in October. I don't know why he picked that month. I got two words for you beer um so sibian's pointing out that her parish her territorial parish started flying the pride flag in response to rome's directive right and again this is where i struggle as a priest to figure out what is the most loving thing to do namely we have plenty of people in my parish who are same-sex attracted and they love the Lord and I love them and we're striving together. They don't ask me to compromise what I believe and preach so that they feel comfortable, right? We've had these conversations, trust me, and I've been touched deeply every time. And they might be celibate. I don't know. Um, and I want people who are attracted to the same sex in church. And I want them to know they're loved. And I want them to know they're loved without a comma. But, right? Jesus loves you, comma, but. No, no. He just loves you. He just loves you. And he died for you. And you are worth his blood and breath. But I don't think I want to have a flag Heck, we don't allow the American flag. I don't know if it's like this in Germany, uh, Sabine. We're not allowed to fly the American flag in church, let alone a flag based on sexual preference. Right? We just don't do that. We don't have a straight flag. We don't have a, a, uh, what are they, a rainbow flag, whatever. You know what I mean? It's like, no, no, this is about God, not about who I prefer to have sex with. This is about God, not about who I'm attracted to human-wise. That's why I would never fly a pride flag, but I'd never fly an American flag or a state of Michigan flag because that place is about God, not sex and not geography. It's, okay. Um, that one I think I'll hit tomorrow or not tomorrow, whatever our next. Uh, sorry, someone asked a great question about is there a sacramental love possible in a same sex relationship? And we'll, I, I hope to take that apart next week. Right. Like, I think it's just time for us to do a good forgive the phrase. I hate how childish it sounds, but sex talk. Right. Uh, yeah, I just think that's really I think it's time. Yeah. And if you uh, found this helpful, uh, please consider subscribing. I hate how that sounds, but it'll help us. Uh, or if you're on YouTube, uh, please consider subscribing there, liking it, all that kind of crap. We could use any kind of help. We do not ask for donations. We don't ask for any of that. If uh, just, I'm not that guy. Um, plus, I would just blow the money on drugs. And by that, I mean Tylenol. I I have fallen in love with Tylenol, right? So this shoulder, like my, my right knee and my right shoulder always hurt. 
I mean, always. And it's just like, whatever. But I was really sick last week, and I had to do the homilies at all the masses. I took a Tylenol. It says take two. I took one. Because I'm like, I don't know. My shoulder didn't hurt. What the heck is that? Is that stuff that nuclear? I took one. I'm a fat man. And I took one Tylenol, and my shoulder didn't hurt. So then I tried it the next day. My shoulder didn't hurt. My knee only hurt a little. But at the same time, I don't want to take it every day. I assume that's bad for me. Yeah. I don't know. So today my shoulder hurt. <laughs> okay. Um, what time is it? Oh, we're good. I think we'll wrap it up. Hey. Um, guys, I again, I hope you hear me. This I, I, I could cry. You're so loved. And you don't need to get any of this right to be loved. You don't. You could be saying, Father, I, I'm addicted to sex. And, and I know it's immoral, and I should never go to church. You should be at church. That's where it's going to happen. Let Jesus convince you he loves you. Because you're not sinning for no reason. It's accomplishing a good. Now, a temporary good and a good that's not, you know, blah, blah, blah. There is a healing that can only occur when we let ourselves be in the presence of Jesus. And yes, Jesus is very clear. There are things that are right and there are things that are wrong. What he's also clear about is his love for you is not dependent on those things. You get me? I'm a sinner, guys. I'm a train wreck. Uh, I woke up this morning so anxious and uh, dark. My thoughts were dark and anxious and I felt so ugly right? And then dad and I had our prayer time kind of together. Like we sit next to each other and do our personal prayer times. But when it was done, all of a sudden we're just talking about our Lord and about the holy name of Jesus. That was today, right? Was that today? Yeah. And guys, it just lifted me up. God didn't wait for me to get not dark and anxious, right? He just loved me right there when I felt most on, I feel very unlovable when I'm like that. And he, he wants that for you. And don't listen to those people who say you've got to be at this point or this point before you can receive communion or go to church. Da, 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 da. You get your butt in there and you let him love on you. And you worry about you. And if somebody else has opinions on you, they can take that to the bathroom. I couldn't find a way to land that plane without saying something that'll get removed to a small country parish again. Just kidding. Um, so, uh, oh, <laughs> I, I just hope you hear me. I need mercy every day, guys. I'm gonna, I get to hear confessions tonight, right? Um, and it's such a gift as a priest to go, oh my gosh, we're all struggling together. I don't know if I could serve in a church where everybody had it together. They'd have to kick me out. They'd have to go, well, our pastor can't be an idiot. We're all very holy. <laughs> right? Um, this is a place for the broken. This is the place for those of us who just want to get it right and, and can't. This is the place where we can be loved and treasured. Okay? And I'm sorry I'm all googly about it. But sexual sins are important, guys. They matter to Jesus. They matter to you. And we'll we'll take that apart next week. I'll shut up now. So that'll be our next week then, I think. Um uh, and what we'll do, what do we got? Nothing tomorrow. 
right? No podcast tomorrow because you guys are sinners and I'm very righteous. Uh, Friday will be our usual question and answer. Why is dad laughing? Uh, Friday will be our usual question and answer. And, uh, oh, a point of joy. Someone in Grand Blank won the lottery. Grand Blank is where I am right now. And if you are a parishioner, I've got two words for you. 10%. It's the only way you can get to heaven. Uh, so <laughs> if you're not Catholic, we are very interested in you becoming Catholic. <laughs> but only if you want. Ah, <laughs> oh, poor Jesus. Okay. So we're going to wrap this puppy up with a prayer. I'll see you beautiful people on Friday. Salad pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Oh, Heavenly Father, you gave us this beautiful fire inside of us, the fire to create, the fire to enter and to be entered, the fire to be one. In the words of St. John Paul II, you gave us a hunger for communion. Now we went, we went and made it all about us, and we're so sorry. For any ways, we've decided our entire existence is defined by sex. We're so sorry. Remind us that our definition is this, loved by God and no definition can trump that one what we ask for now is the grace to strive for purity to love our spouses with our minds our hearts and our bodies and if we are pining for a spouse Lord help us to be patient and to grow each day in holiness so when that blessed day comes, we're ready. If you are calling us to celibacy, give us the strength. And help us to not reduce celibacy simply to, I don't have sex. But instead, to elevate it to a spousal relationship with you. Jesus, for any sins we've committed, we're so sorry. We love you very much. And please help us accept your mercy. It's waiting for us. Father, you know the people in our lives that we love very much and worry about. And you know all the circumstances in our lives that cause us to fret. And we give all of it to you, Lord, because we love you so much and we trust you. And may Almighty God bless you all, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. The dog found a toy. My kung fu is strong. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll see you beautiful people in a couple days. And until then, frozen peas are my gift to you. Not as the world gives frozen peas, do I. Is it over? No, it's never over. But Greatest line ever. Well, we're... Some things are, some things are never over.